Jai Jai Sitchatanya Daya Nichananda Daya Daita Chandrajaya Gora Bhakta Vinda Jai Jai Sitchitanya Daya Nichananda Jai Adveta Chandrajaya Gora Bhakta Vinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So I wanted to continue from where I left off Oh, sorry, I kicked the phone I wanted to uh, begin or pick up from where I left off yesterday Yesterday I spoke about Buddhism from the uh, uh, responding to the descriptions in the in the Chaitanya Charitamrita and I also gave like a general historical background of how Buddhism uh, was present at the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and, and at the time leading up to that, uh, a little bit of the history of Buddhism and, and what level of presence there was at the time of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, all with the idea to provide a little bit of context in Buddhism in, in relation with the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Now today, I want to uh, take on the topic in a somewhat uh, broader way, because um, if we look at Lord Chaitanya's tour in South India, and we see that he was... Um, um, very ecstatically absorbed in kirtan and that people really became enlivened by by the ecstasy and we see that he was entering into philosophical debate and um, we see it was debate argument with a lot of uh, various personalities there was a debate or an argument with the uh, um, the Tattvavadi Acharya, that means in Udupi, the uh, leading Acharya in the line of Madhva Acharya. And that uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu approached that Acharya and asked him, what are the, uh, the main tenets of, uh, of, your, of the teachings of your tradition? And the Acharya said that the main thing, according to the Vishnu Purana, was to follow the duties of Varna Ashram, then Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did not uh, agree with that or appreciate that and said, I think that because I'm a sannyasi, that you don't really want to instruct me and therefore you didn't really tell me the real conclusions because when we look at the scriptures, then we can see that really Sravanam Kirtanam, hearing and chanting about the name, fame, glories and pastimes of the Supreme Lord, that that is the essence. Well, the Tattvavadi Acharya said, well, I agree with you. He said, but the difficulty is that according to the tradition of our, uh, of our Mat, right, and the sayings of Madhvacharya, really, this is what, uh, this is our disciplic succession, that Varna Ashram is the primary duty. And then Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, then I don't see much merit in your sampradaya. 
and in this way strongly uh, spoke out against the Tattva bodies. Um, later we see Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Sri Rangam and this time he's meeting with the Sri Sampradaya. So he just met with the Madhva Sampradaya and spoke out strongly. Um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did recognize a, a connection with the Madhva Acharya himself, but not through the Udupi line, uh, the direct line with Madhva Acharya's teachings uh, and Madhavendra Puri, Iswara Puri, but not uh, in agreement with the Tattvavadi uh, uh, followers of Madhva Acharya. So that's already complicated. And then uh, we come to Sri Rangam. And in Sri Ranga, there is a meeting with Venkatabhata, and then also there's a discussion about, basically in Sri Ranga, Lakshmi Narayan is worshipped. It is uh, the principal headquarters of the Ramanuja Sampradaya. And, uh, and there's also some level of disagreement. It, it's, but in a more, uh, well, you could say in a more collegial type of mood, uh, where the discussion is like, uh, my dear Venkatabhata, is it true that Lakshmi is fully dedicated to serving the lotus feet of Narayan? And uh, Venkatabhata uh, affirmed it, yes, yes, yes. Then, is it, uh, then how is it that Lakshmi Devi performed austerities to uh, be able to enter into the rasa dance with Krishna? Uh, so, uh, Venkatabhata said, uh, no, that is fine. There is no difference uh, between Krishna and Narayan. So she was still chased to the, uh, to the lotus feet of Narayan. All right, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said. But then why is it that she couldn't enter, even although she performed these austerities, she couldn't enter into the pastimes of Krishna? Then uh, Venkatabhata said, that is inconceivable. So again, it is uh, some sort of discussion where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is kind of uh, defeating the uh, Ramanuja Sampradaya by pointing out that Lakshmi could not enter because of her, uh, of, of being involved with the awe and reverence of the Supreme Lord and the Aishwarya, the opulence of the Lord, and that, uh, that opulence where one is fully aware of the majesty of the Lord that doesn't uh, allow to enter into the intimate exchanges of the Rasa dance where that is forgotten. And that that would be, is, is a more intimate and deeper experience of love. So in this way, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement is placed above Ramanuja. So it's been placed above. The Tattvavadi has been placed above Ramanuja. And in this way, um, yeah. Uh, and then we get a meeting with the Buddhists. And then it gets even worse. It's, it's a very uh, unpleasant exchange, really. Uh, because uh, the uh, First, there's an argument on the nine philosophical truths and we, uh, or the nine main philosophical points of Buddhism and the Buddhists are defeated and then they are taking revenge by presenting polluted food and then 
this magical or mystic bird appears, picks up the food, throws it all over the Buddhist and throws the heavy metal plate on the head of the, uh, the main Buddhist, uh, the Buddhist guru, who goes unconscious and so on. And it says then the disciples are all upset and don't know what to do. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says, chant, chant the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, gives them the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. They chant in the ear of the Buddhist guru. And in this way, the disciples now initiate the Buddhist guru with the Mahamantra, which they had received from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And again, uh, so Buddhism is not so lightly rejected, it's strongly rejected, and even a statement is made that one shouldn't even see a Buddhist. Um, now, that, that reeks of uh, sectarianism in a way, right? It, it, uh, and a question may be raised, was that, that sectarian mood there in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Or was it there in Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami as the writer? And did he put it, did he sort of superimpose that mood? Um, so that's a question, and we'll address that a little later. Um, before I go there, I want to go to, uh, yeah, to how such sectarian thinking lands in the, in the modern world. Um, in the modern world, we're living now in a digital world. We're living, and the digital world creates a global culture. And therefore, uh, regional differences are uh, now much less pronounced because now people are communicating with uh, others from all walks of life. Whereas in a more traditional time, people would be in their village, in their region, didn't have access to all the fast, modern uh, uh, forms of transport. So they wouldn't go out of their region very much. And therefore, we see regional cultures, regional ideas developing, which uh, and, and people uh, developing a, a strong regional culture. And uh, yeah, nowadays, the global culture based on the mixing of culture. Uh, at that time, we can have a look now at religion and spirituality. In, uh, in traditional times, religion was really uh, the means by which spirituality was captured. And religion meant a tradition, meant a house of worship, it meant it was prescriptive, the, it, it was prohibitive, there were boundaries, uh, and it was, uh, if we put that in, uh, in contrast with spirituality, then spirituality is, is, is basically centering around individual experience. Uh, religion is focused on tradition, and the tradition is imposing a certain behavior and sometimes even an, a particular way of thinking, whereas uh, spirituality is about the experience, the individual experience. And then the individual can tap into 
traditions, but really take whatever is relevant and uh, express that uh, and experience that in their own way. Um, so it's not that spirituality is against tradition, but it is uh, rather looking at it as, as, as a resource and, uh, and not as a limiting factor, whereas in a, in a religion it is a, a limiting factor. So yes, uh, so for, for many people, uh, religion then comes across as sectarian and, and prejudiced, and therefore uh, religion, the popularity of religion is down, uh, and, and church, many churches have emptied out, and uh, it comes across as something for uh, older people, something for, uh, for, for old ladies, or it, uh, it doesn't, it seems to have lost its, uh, its relevance for society at large, at least for a large number of people, uh, besides the people who are somewhat seen as more conservative and still rooted in the old religious forms. But a more modern type of person would be more inclined to a spirituality, individual spiritual experience, taps into tradition and borrows whatever seems to be relevant and in this way, uh, religion seems to be a little outdated in modern times and spirituality seems to be better fit with contemporary needs which have global mixed culture needs. All right, that is a, is a premise I wanted to sort of uh, present so that we can uh, look at it. Um, and let us now look at this uh, ninth chapter of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, maybe at the book as a whole, uh, through a lens of uh, sectarianism. And then we see uh, that uh, from time to time, this topic of sectarianism seems to come up. Uh, for, its, for example, it says that anyone, even if they are a devotee of Krishna, if they are uh, not accepting Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, then they are certainly demons. Right? Uh, so that is a very strong, uh, strong statement found in Adi Lila, chapter 8. And, uh, and what do you do with such statements? Such uh, very kind of judgmental statements, right? Whereas uh, being judgmental is like so much condemned, you know. Uh, it's just, uh, just yesterday uh, I read in the news how the uh, uh, J.K. Rowling, um, the author of uh, Harry Potter, very famous, um, had tweeted uh, some statements about... Uh, transgender that were not so favorable. And this was like a big thing. Um, in fact, she had become, she's of course very, very famous. And, um, and therefore people had decided that they would name a school after her. 
But after she tweeted these statements of intolerance uh, uh, and, and not leaving people in their value and not just allowing just everyone to just uh, believe in, in what they believe and, and let everyone just express himself how he feels about who he is and how she seemed to be judgmental. And then for this, they decided that they could not name the school after her anymore because she was no longer a suitable role model for, for children. Okay. Now, uh, interesting uh, dynamics. So when we superimpose all that on the Chaitanya Charitamrita, what are we looking at? Are we looking here at a medieval book and are we looking here at a writer who is kind of writing uh, from his own, uh, yeah, typical medieval uh, perceptions and uh, which are, yeah, uh, when we look at medieval culture in the West, it wasn't very, uh, very tolerant. And if one was thinking a little bit too different from the mainstream, then the stake was always waiting, right? So, uh, and then if you look at India in that way, um, and in the India that is being projected in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, are they doing much better? Or uh, it also seems to be a very... A polarized approach of right and wrong and and uh, debate and reject and one should not even see uh, the face of a Buddhist like uh, is that necessary uh, now if we look at, at Buddhism from a more uh, contemporary perspective uh, well you know then we would would uh, wouldn't we give it some credit Right? Uh, wouldn't we give it credit for having high moral values uh, of compassion? Uh, wouldn't we give it uh, credit for uh, for uh, uh, trying to uh, give a system for uh, uplift, uplifting the moral fiber? Of, uh, of society. Uh, if we look at Buddhism and its uh, four noble truths, okay, it, it, it starts with the premise of suffering and says all existence is suffering, the cause of it is craving, uh, cessation of suffering comes with the cessation of craving, and the fourth one is there is a path that leads away from suffering. Uh, and, uh, and then that eightfold path is, this eightfold noble path is described. And it says, right understanding, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. Well, a lot of people would say, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, that makes sense. You know, I mean, that's a nice uh, summary of, of moral behavior. 
right? Where you sit, yes. Let there be a right understanding. Let there be a right intention. And then let there be right speech, right action. Mm -hmm. Yes, right livelihood. Yes, yes, right profession. Very good. Right effort, uh, right mindfulness. Uh, and, and, and then right concentration. I mean, a lot of people nowadays would... Uh, would say, well, that, that's, uh, that's very good, very good. And we see that uh, mindfulness has become a, uh, a tool uh, which is very, uh, very widely applied in society and that to be mindful is, uh, is, is very much appreciated. Um, in, in Zen Buddhism, for example, uh, it is said, just focus on doing one thing, right? And do that one thing right, completely speaking out against multitasking. Now, in a modern society where multitasking is, is, is inevitable, practically speaking, right? Where you drive a car and answer a call and meanwhile uh, are, uh, you know, stopping for the traffic light and whatever. Um, Multitasking is, uh, is so much part of the modern, modern culture and that it is, is almost uh, refreshing, you know, it's almost refreshing to, to have something like just do one thing and, and do, do it completely, right? Just give all the energy there, mindfulness. So, uh, so when we hear about... Uh, some elements of Buddhism, then that is uh, certainly attractive. Um, okay, and then of course, yeah, the, the, but when you turn to Buddhism and you look at it somewhat deeper, then it also gets a little bit uh, intense maybe with its uh, whole monastic uh, tradition and, and, and kind of rigid. And, but then we see that there is a very uh, developed secular, uh, secular practice of Buddhism. And now it's very integrated in a secular way. And then such basic concepts of right understanding, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. They link very well with spirituality. Very nicely, you know, because these are, it's about values, it's about, and, and, and just about how to implement values and how to get really a life of morality. And after all, if spirituality is not leading to morality, uh, because then what's the point of spirituality? Because morality is, uh, is including the welfare of humankind, and for that matter, even of, uh, of other living beings. Uh, and so a vegan, uh, a vegan way of life also seems to fit in really well, because, you know, we are uh, ahimsa, not killing, and, uh, you know, even, even uh, uh, very, very careful about anything that increases suffering. So we can see how Buddhism, uh, in many ways, seems to connect quite nicely 
with our uh, modern culture, and especially if we approach it from the uh, from the spirituality approach, where we just dip into it and take from it what we want without uh, fully committing to it and in, in, to the tradition, uh, then maybe, again, it becomes a little intense. But if we just stick with, you know, here's the tradition and take from it what you like. So, well, seems to be many things that are nice. Uh, if I translate it into a modern uh, context. Yeah. Now going back to uh, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Uh, then... Uh, here we are. The Chaitanya Charitamrita then is clearly uh, establishing uh, the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in uh, oppose, opposing, uh, opposing other views. And is that needed? Or uh, shouldn't spirituality be more complementary. Now, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is himself depicted as, as one who, as a person who didn't write any books, who just speaks eight prayers, who is always absorbed in chanting, and when he goes through South India, there is no institution behind him, there are no temples, no books, no initiations, nothing, it's just a very much his personal uh, experience and expression. So when we look at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, he seems to be somewhat more on the spiritual side of things, if he would say, or the spirituality side of things. If you look at Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, he comes from a uh, the Goswami school in Vrindavan, which is sort of uh, has institutional views, he's representing it, he is writing from that kind of uh, institutional approach and uh, there are things that are acceptable and not acceptable. And is it Krishna Das who is projecting this on Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? That question is certainly, uh, certainly relevant. And uh, and how is that to be to be seen? Well, when uh, if there are many scholars of Gaudiya Vaishnavism who are looking at uh, exactly at a tradition in that way and who are studying it, and uh, who are making that statement, who say yes. Um, just as we sometimes say of Christianity, that there is Jesus, there is the Bible, and there is the church. And these are three separate things, right? In the same way, uh, they think uh, there is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there are the six Goswamis, and then there is Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, and each is uh, each is having their own angle. And so the Goswamis color Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in a particular way, and then 
Krishna does, he calls the Goswamis and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in a particular way. Um, so there are scholars who would, uh, uh, who would see it in that way. Um, and now I'm speaking here from uh, within the tradition as a, uh, as, as a living proponent of that uh, tradition. And uh, so does that mean that I bought into the, uh, into the sectarian view? And that I am kind of uh, representing a sectarian view on Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his teachings, and uh, and that I have uh, and that I'm missing out on the uh, on the spirituality uh, of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and and which is the true Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Okay, so those are all very interesting uh, points and questions. And, uh, and what am I going to say about that? Um, I think when we are looking at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is to be understood as uh, a personality who is in many ways very otherworldly. Um, externally he is in this world but internally not at all um, internally he's rather completely in the spiritual world in the spiritual realm and whatever Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is doing as a, as a teacher and as a devotee is, uh, is inspired by that internal experience of the spiritual realm. Um, his, uh, he's basically living there and not so much here. Um, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami himself has gone so deep into the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that he also is more living there than on this side. Right. And when he writes, he also writes greatly inspired by the, the spiritual realm. Uh, the spiritual realm is predominated by devotees who are all uh, existing in an eternal spiritual body and who are just totally overwhelmed, constantly overwhelmed by a uh, an experience of love for, for Krishna, love of God. And this experience of love of God is everything. There is nothing else. Um, don't forget that we are seeing the description of the, uh, of the gopis in Vrindavan as the, uh, as, as the topmost devotees um, by Ramananda Roy in his exchange with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Ramananda Roy uh, goes up to higher and higher levels of devotional expression and then comes to the gopis of Vrindavan and there we attain the topmost uh, experience. And the gopis, they 
have just no interest of anything else. I, I have some experience myself is that on one occasion, I was uh, supposed to fly from Berlin to Madrid. And on that route, you fly over the Alps and also over the Pyrenees. And it was a beautiful day. There were just no clouds in the sky. And as I checked in, I was alone on that flight. As I checked in, uh, they asked me, do you want a window seat or an aisle seat? And somehow or other, usually I, I take aisle seats, but this time I said, yeah, yeah window seat. Yeah. And I had a window because I had the mountains in mind. And yes, there I was flying over these mountains and it was snow cap after snow cap and it was really uh, spectacular. But after a while, I got bored. Uh, what to do? Such is the mind. So then uh, I thought, let me read something. And I picked up a book, The Nectar of Devotion. And as I opened it up, it, it, uh, it opens up on a page that gives a description about the mood of the gopis of Vrindavan. And it described here that the gopis of Vrindavan had no interest to see anything other than Krishna. And just as I read that, right, I just opened the book and start reading that. And after reading that sentence, I just closed it again and went like, whoa, there I go with my window seat. Uh, so it's interesting. Um, so the love of the gopis has this all-absorbed uh, love of God, and there's just nothing else that interests them. That was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That is Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami. So sometimes what appears to be sectarian is, uh, is, is, is really like, it's not based on the, on the normal uh, judgmental attitude of uh, we are better than you kind of, of thing. Uh, the one-upmanship which exists between competing uh, groups in, in this world and where one is trying to establish its superiority over, other, over others. That is not the case when we look at Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami. Rather, uh, what we're seeing is uh, an intense mood of, of love of God. Um, don't forget... Don't forget Krishna does his dream. And don't forget how Nichananda appeared before him in a dream and Krishna does in his dream fell flat on the ground and Nichananda placed his lotus foot on the head of uh, Krishna das Kaviras Goswami. And let us not forget that Krishna does was overwhelmed by the presence. He saw the amazing presence of 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 Nichananda, his earrings, his dress, his moving limbs, his, his transcendental ecstasy, his madness, his, he heard his deep voice chanting Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. So, so devotees like cowherd boys around his lotus feet and he saw Nichananda's iron stick, red iron stick. And uh, so he was overwhelmed upon seeing all these things. And while he's just relishing all this, Nichananda says, um, go to Vindavan and there you will attain all things. And then Nichananda disappeared. 
When Nichananda disappeared, then Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami, he faints. And then uh, he wakes up, but he still fainted. So how he woke up is a little puzzling to my uh, mind. But anyway, he woke up and was still fainted. And, uh, and then later he comes to his senses and then he appreciates that Nichananda has ordered him to go to Vrindavan. And he said, and then and there he left for Vrindavan. Right. So uh, we see that Krishna does, and I discussed this, was responding to that dream in, in quite a uh, very, very strong manner, very emotional and really overwhelmed by it, and it was a life-changing experience. For Krishnadas, it was not a dream, it was a real instruction, and he took it like that and completely dedicated his life to it. And uh, Krishnadas' level of emotional involvement with that was beyond that of an ordinary person, and it places him into, into one who has realized the love of God that is being described in the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, uh, yes, so first of all, we're looking at Krishnadas as an ecstatic devotee. Um, now, Krishnadas describes that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't even want to see the face of a Buddhist. Then, I, in my lecture yesterday, I jumped for a moment to the Chaitanya Bhagavat, and there it was described how Nichananda in Kashmir was asking a Buddhist for some water and there was no response because the Buddhist was deeply absorbed in meditation and in trance and therefore didn't pay attention to Nichananda. And then Nichananda kicked the Buddhist in the face. So that seems also quite brutal. I mean, you know, I mean, it seems that Nichananda was not just... Uh, uh, he, was, he seemed to be like uh, even even violent about his uh, religious convictions, which is exactly exactly what we fear about religion. Right? It's violence. It's, that's exactly what seems to be the problem with it: religious fanaticism. So now are we seeing some Hindu fanaticism as well in the biographies of Chaitanya? And is this fanaticism there in Chaitanya's movement? And uh, has it been carried forward uh, through this literature into uh, modern times? And now we have a Western exponent of this uh, religion and uh, popularly known as the Hare Krishna movement. And it also reeks of fanaticism, sectarianism, and fundamentalism and all these elements of uh, which are oftentimes seen as dangerous in religion. So how are we going to deal with all of this? Um, I think when we are, are perceiving the book, then we miss the point of the book. Then we see the book as a, a historical account. We see the book as a, uh, uh, 
a philosophical display of the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the schools that came up around him and how it interacted with other schools. Um, and, and that's all. Whereas that is secondary, we must first of all look at the Chaitanya Charitamrita as the main theme of the CC is love of God. It's all about love of God, the whole book, and about nothing else. And everything, and that love of God is, is being displayed in the latter part of the book, in its full force. And in the earlier part of the book, that love of God is sort of described and classified so that we understand how it's made up out of what components. And then we see it in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who uh, shows extraordinary symptoms. Even his body becomes an elongated, the joints come loose, or in another description, the joints go into the body. Kurma Chaitanya, um, all these things we have talked about. Uh, so this is amazing how uh, how how this love of God is is uh, so much in the foreground, and that is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is all about. Uh, when Buddhism comes with uh, with uh, in in confrontation, or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu encounters Buddhism, then that is indeed a very sensitive thing. Uh, uh, because it is not questioning the value of Buddhism in terms of its contribution to morality uh, in society. I mean, noble truth, right understanding, right intention. Uh, in, 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 on many major points, we are completely in agreement. Uh, Bhagavad Gita also says, Dukaliyam asasvatam, that this world is, is a place of misery where everything is temporary. So that dukkha, uh, that suffering which comes up in, uh, in the Four Noble Truth is also there in Buddhism as well as then the Hindu uh, approach. So Chaitanya Charitamrita is in agreement there. And, and when sansara or the cycle of birth and death is considered to be a problem in Islam, in Buddhism, it's also a problem in, uh, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Mm. But uh, because love, love of God is so much cultivated and it's not casual, it is experienced with great intensity and great attachment. Therefore, when Buddhism, Buddhism is basically uh, not accommodating love of God. Uh, Bu Buddhism is basically not accommodating God. Uh, and that we discussed yesterday. Therefore, it, then it is considered as the uh, most destructive, the uh, and, and depressing philosophy and uh, all who uh, remain involved with it are going to uh, sooner or later <clears throat> sorry I fell asleep um, one second drink some water
Yeah, so then then Buddhism and and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Krishna Skaviraj. Um, now seeing Krishna Skaviraj and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as aligned and absorbed in this love of God, then because Buddhism is not acknowledging any element of such such love as valid, it's painful. It's painful for the Vaishnava. Um, who's absorbed in love, it's painful to, to, to become confronted with that aspect of Buddhism. Not, uh, Vaishnavism has no problem with the, uh, the moral principles. It has no problem that this material world is seen as a place of suffering, that the cause of that suffering is craving, you know, for material uh, sense objects, material enjoyment. Yes, 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 in agreement, no difficulty. Uh, that uh, becoming detached from this sense enjoyment is not an uncommon principle in, uh, in, 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 in Vaishnava scripture or in Vedic scripture. It's fine. Uh, and that there is a path that leads one away from suffering. Yes, yes, yes. No problem at all, Mr. Buddhist. It's fine, fine, very nice. Yes. All right, a little difference when you say all existence is suffering because Vaishnava says there is, besides Vaishnava says all material existence, just have to add that word material because spiritual existence is blissful. Uh, and, and uh, you know, noble path, right understanding, right intention, right speech, right action, yay, yes. Right livelihood, yes, yes, yes. Right effort, yes. Right mindfulness, yes. Right concentration, right. Full in support of that. But when love of God is denied, that is something for, for the Vaishnava, uh, who is, is deeply realized uh, in love of God. Not just for the Vaishnava who is practicing. Uh, a Vaishnava in practice, when he hears that, that he doesn't get so emotional about it. Uh, a Vaishnava in practice who hears that, yes, the Buddhists don't accept love of God, can say, all right, the Buddhists, you know, they don't accept any, any existence of God, any, ultimately it's nihilism, so there's no love of God, no devotional service, no abode of God. Okay, that's Buddhism but they have nice uh, moral principles. That, one can speak in that way when one is still uh, in the state of practice. But when one actually is practicing bhakti, uh, bhakti in the stage of ecstasy, uh, then it's no longer possible to do so. Because there's such statements uh, that denial of of God are, are too painful, are too painful. They are too much uh, directly uh, denying the ecstasy that is experienced. And the Vaishnava, who, who in his practice of bhakti is so deeply absorbed in his ecstasy and in his love, cannot tolerate that. Uh, that is too painful. And therefore, Chaitanya Charitamrita says, a Vaishnava doesn't even want to see the face of a Buddhist. Uh, that's out of uh, because of his love of God. So there is a major uh, 
a major difference. And we don't have to go to war. Uh, we don't have to uh, take up uh, violence, but, uh, but debate, debate is inevitable. Uh, that is inevitable. Uh, so not only in religion are there sometimes confrontations and, and strong different opinions, but also in spirituality. Huh? It is artificial to see spirituality as, as an approach that just tolerates everything and everyone must respect everybody and everyone must love everybody. And yes, we can do so. We can do so. Uh, that's fine. But that is a little bit sentimental and that is a little bit nourished by uh, by a particular philosophy which we're imposing upon uh, uh, situations rather than looking at the situations in itself. Uh, uh, for example, there are uh, uh, there are within the realm of spirituality, there are ideas and practices uh, where one denies another. And then it is, uh, uh, and, and goes to the root of things. Then it's not possible always to, uh, to be in agreement. Oh yes, we can sit at the same table and we can, uh, you know, have a cup of, uh, in our case, herbal tea, you know, uh, and and exchange some uh, some nice words. But uh, we cannot reach an agreement. It's not possible. Uh, is, on some areas, there really is no common ground. Uh, I was in a, in a invited to speak in a radio station. And uh, I didn't know that they were putting me up next to a Satanist. And it was difficult because uh, it, 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 it's the, the, the values in that particular system of belief are uh, very much opposed to the values in my system of belief. And I cannot really... Uh, there, a philosophy of live and let live uh, is no longer uh, no longer realistic to me. No, I, I am uh, I'm not in favor of that particular uh, stream. Right? I, 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 I am I'm saying no. That uh, that that should uh, not be practiced. That is not. Uh, not beneficial for the elevation of mankind, rather the opposite that will lead to evil in, in my understanding. So uh, that is, and, and I, I do have a sense of, of, uh, of evil, of good and evil, and um, and causing suffering to other living beings is one of them. So Buddha also 
had a sense of evil, right? And therefore preaches ahimsa. And therefore, on this matter of ahimsa, I'm with Buddha, right? I'm completely with Buddha. Non-violence, yes, yes. That should be there. That must be uh, must be in the foreground. And any form of of uh, of violence is uh, is to be uh, is is not appropriate. Now. Having said that, uh, then I go to the Bhagavad Gita, and uh, and here's an Arjuna, and he is on a battlefield, okay? And Arjuna is a soldier, he's a warrior. Uh, why is he a soldier if he's enlightened? Now, Arjuna is on the battlefield and he's depressed, and because it happens to be a war where one family is divided over both sides, and that creates a big complication, so Arjuna doesn't want to fight. Uh, he doesn't want to fight. And then Krishna is telling him that he has to fight for a higher spiritual goal. So how can fighting be condoned for a higher spiritual goal? Uh, is it like, well, you know, like, but if, if we are... Uh, these things are, are very difficult to uh, um, to discuss when we're sitting in our armchairs of uh, in our philosophical armchairs and are exchanging arguments. But if uh, if someone uh, comes in and and uh, and uh, becomes physically aggressive with the baby. Uh, then suddenly, you know, pacifism is out of the window, and uh, and suddenly our childhood boxing lessons uh, come back to us, and we just uh, punch the guy out, you know, with like uh, a full blow, right? And suddenly, all the other pacifists who are adhering to ahimsa next to us will say, "Well done, right?" Um, so, just a simple example like that, you know, uh, proves to us that it, it would rather be violent. In Vaishnava philosophy, it would be considered violent if I would, in the name of pacifism, not interfere with, uh, with someone who is uh, mistreating the underdog. And that would be considered, so even if I passively would stand there in, in all my pacifism, that would not be ahimsa, that would be jiva-himsa, because I'm not uh, standing up to protect. So sometimes uh, strength, uh, violence also has its place in protection. And... Uh, and that is the violence of the of the Bhagavad Gita, uh, protection of higher values. So anyway, many uh, many issues are coming up in this discussion, and uh, I'm doing a, an hour every day approximately. So I'm kind of rounding this discussion because I'm not necessarily uh, trying to um, open up. 
the depth of each of these threads that I've opened, uh, because that's not the purpose of my discussion. The purpose of my discussion is not to now enter into the difference uh, of the ahimsa concept of the Buddhist versus the ahimsa concept, concept of the Vaishnava. That's not what I'm addressing today. What I'm addressing today is, is, okay, are Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu or Krishna Das, uh, are they sectarian? And that is my topic. And, uh, and there I must uh, conclude with an emphatic, no, no. They're not sectarian. Um, it's like, it is very much a pure spiritual movement. They're not trying to establish a religion um, with its confining, limiting uh, boundaries uh, that actually limit the, uh, the religious experience. No. There is no limit in experiencing the individual, individual's relationships with, uh, with God. The, the morality that exists in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings is ultimately is not defined by um, any preconceived human principles, but is only based on one thing, the relationship and the advantage of the Supreme Lord. So it is a spiritual uh, morality which is based on the pleasure of God. Now, what is the pleasure of God? That's again another thread which I can't open uh, right now. But uh, remaining on this focus, uh, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami is actually uh, broad-minded uh, in the sense that anyone, anyone or everyone, regardless of their background, regardless of their, uh, their belief, is welcome to take up some some devotional service there's no prerequisite for it and is is allowed to partake um, it doesn't matter um, providing you know that the person is while in the uh, in the atmosphere of the Vaishnavas respecting the codes of behavior uh, with the Vaishnavas, but anyone, even a cannibal, right, which is sort of, uh, um, well, you know, uh, a kind of drastic personality to meet is a cannibal, right? It's, it's kind of, pleased to meet you, I'm a cannibal. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I see. Um, I would think that meeting a cannibal is a little bit uh, uncomfortable, at least for me, and uh, but even a cannibal is welcome, 
I hope that there are not a lot of cannibals out there on the internet, although I know that there are. And I have, have read about people who had made a, a contract via the internet and where there was one who had agreed to be eaten by another. And, and it was executed also. Yes, and ultimately some arrest also took place, whatever, but, and that was in the Western world. So, uh, it takes, uh, it takes cannibals, and it takes uh, even people who, uh, are, who sign a contract to be eaten. Uh, so, it takes all kinds out there on the internet. But all are welcome in the community of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, providing they are in that community, respecting the values in the community and, and conduct themselves as a guest. And, uh, and, and then anyone is welcome to, to take up the practice to the level that they can. And to whatever level they, they, they cannot, there is actually no judgment, uh, no negative judgment. It is allowed. Um, still, we can also reject things. I mean, I can reject cannibalism uh, because it's not. Uh, it is. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's. It's not something that is. Uh, mentioned in scriptures as pleasing to God. That if God said, um, let there be cannibalism on earth, then they would be cannibals. But since that's not found in any revealed scripture, uh, we unfortunately uh, cannot be tolerant towards cannibalism. It's out. <laughs> It's, uh, and if that makes me sectarian, then, uh, then I must say, then there is something like healthy sectarianism. And then the so-called anti-sectarian movement where everything goes and anything is okay. That movement, uh, by my example, is, is I think, is not very convincing. Right? I think most people would uh, would agree that cannibalism is out, and uh, and uh, therefore I think I've made my point that a these the movement of Lord Chaitanya is not sectarian because anyone and everyone has an opportunity to take advantage of it. Uh, but if, if we have a definition of sectarianism where uh, we are not respecting all and everyone in their own life, then if that is, then I reject that, that, that view, that tolerance and say yes. I am not, there are things 
that are not to be tolerated in this world. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada Kijaya.